I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as slashers, vampires, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. All right, so Slashers, episode four, Modern Slashers. We are here. We're at the end of the Slashers, finally. Finally. I love Slashers, but man, like you can, you can only watch so many movies in a category over four weeks. And I got some numbers for us at the end, so we'll definitely have to go into that. Um, so the, uh, we're seeing some, some good downloads on the show. People are watching it and re-downloading it. So thank you guys, but we're having a good time making it. We're just glad to wrap up this first series and move on to something, something different, which we'll tell you at the end, what we're going to do for next week's episode. Um, I did want to point out that Fangoria did the chainsaw nominations for 2019. So they covered a couple of those Oscar snubs like Tony Collette for hereditary and stuff. But if you guys go to Fangoria's Instagram, you can check it out and and see what movies are on there. Maybe there's something you haven't seen yet. There will be some spoilers on this episode. We'll try to make them minor spoilers. Yeah, this is, since we're getting into more recent films, that uh, we won't go as into detail with uh, the spoilers and major plot twists and stuff like that. Yeah, we might, you know, say somebody dies in it, but in a slasher film, you could pretty much assume everybody, who, except for who you think is the final girl, is going to die. But exactly. uh, if there's like red herrings and stuff, we'll leave that out so you guys can... You know, hopefully go check out a movie that you've never seen before from us talking about it. We might run over on this one. Uh, We wanted to do modern, just modern slashers. And there's, we hit this like pseudo slasher kind of area. So there's like a gray area on, is it a slasher? Is it not? But these movies definitely needed to be discussed. Yeah. We thought this one was going to actually run a normal time. And then as we discovered more and more that needed to be in it, not, not for the length, but just for what was happening in the genre um, itself, like you said, that we really do need to touch on more than we originally thought. So try to get through it. It kind of gave us an idea and got us talking. So the, I don't want to say what the next episode is yet till the end, but it is going to be one movie franchise. So yay. there's obviously a beginning. <laughs> yay. There is a beginning and an end to a franchise. And if we do a director or an actor or something, there's going to be a beginning or end, but these open topics like slashers in this case, I think we might drop it down to my top three or something each. Yeah. Something, something to, to at least narrow it down a little bit. We bit off a whole lot to jump right into this. Right. We do have day jobs, (laughs) but slashers, you know, they had their, their awesome run in the eighties. And then we got a sequel to that in the nineties, but that sequel died off just like any horror franchise. Things started to get a a bit different. We were getting less straight up slasher movies, right, Josh? We we still had the elements. They were starting to get retooled because things were getting pretty old and stale. Um, like you said, even the even the franchises that that had their at least return on investment with continuing to pump out more and more of them, even that wasn't working anymore. We did have a brief second coming with Scream and some of the things that followed after that, but it it still it wasn't a full blown revival. Right. I mean, we started with the proto-slashers. We're going to end it up with the pseudo-slashers. The first movie we want to talk about is Cherry Falls. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know about Cherry Falls until I started doing research for this podcast. They call it the cap of the second slasher cycles. Like, it was the end. I really, really wish it wasn't. Did you see this one, Josh? I didn't even know it existed until you told me about it. And going to watch it was all but depressing it's not a good movie to me just the opening scenes like just the cinematography of the town when it opened and the the pad with the music on it was immediately this movie wants to be scream and it never it never got away from that while i was watching it. which is okay because i mean we talked about halloween was made and it blew up the slasher genre and they took things from halloween and put it here and then Things from Friday the 13th got taken and put here, but you still have to make a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. This one, it just didn't work. I mean, Brittany Murphy's in it. She's a great actress. 
I love Michael Bean in everything I've seen him in, except for this movie. As I was going to say, in, in this one, I feel like him being the sheriff, it's too much of a serious role. I love that guy in like militant roles and like when he has authority. This one, I, I, I would have rather had Timothy Oliphant. You're right, right. <laughs> Why don't you give like a, a brief synopsis of the movie and then I'll we can kind of give our thoughts and move on. So it, it kind of follows the the formulaic thing with the past tragedy. And then we start having people get killed. Only what they come to figure out real quick is it's the virgins that are getting killed. And we end up having a partial explanation of the, the past tragedy with the, uh, the lead's mom later on in the movie. And then it really, it's not really a twist, I guess. It just, it flushes out the the full truth of the matter of the right, backstory right. later on in the third act. There's just more to it than you're led to believe. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, it, it, it wasn't fun. It was not unique. It is the coolest high school party I've ever heard of, though. Yes. If you're I, in that I, age. I, the, the, uh, the cherry popping party is, is what, is they, what they called it. I, I, think, catch that. I think that's what they called it because, of course, they're like, oh, well, well, all the virgins are getting killed and we can't have virgins. Let's, let's do something about them. So that is interesting that it turns that on its ear. As far as have sex, you die. And in this one, it's have sex, you live. Right, right. So that part was different. The interesting thing to me about this movie is if you were writing a paper for like a college professor or if you're just trying to hit a checklist for a slasher movie, it's a, it got a hundred. It's the yeah. perfect slasher movie. It hit every note on the head. But when there's no soul behind it, you end up with a shitty movie. Exactly. It, it looks so good on paper, but uh and, and it wasn't, it's not like a poor execution or poorly made. It just, it, it didn't work. It felt, it just felt like it was trying. Like I said, hard. it was very formulaic. They, they followed the formula to the T no harder soul. They yep. did not fun. And honestly, it's the only movie up to this point out of this series that we reviewed that I watched and I did not enjoy watching the movie. <laughs> this one, you might give me some shit for, but final destination in 2000, it's a slasher movie to me, bro. I, I, I get where you're coming from with that brief summary in case you haven't seen the movie. And if you haven't seen it, even if you don't want to dive into a whole franchise, at least watch the first one. It's great. Absolutely. You have uh, a group of students. The prominent actors is Devin Sawa from like Idle Hands and SLC Punk and everything he was in. And Ali Lauder from Heroes. And she's been all sorts of shit. She's great. But they're high school kids and they have friends and there's like the outcast kids and they're all in high school together going on a, a field trip to France, right? Yeah. French class. Way better than any of my trips in school. They get on the plane and Devin Sawa basically has a vision of the plane exploding, everybody dying. And he freaks out and he wants to get off and his best friend follows him and the jock kid starts some shit with him. So he gets ejected off the plane. Yep. Allie Lauder doesn't really know any of them, but she thinks it's kind of fucked up. So she's like, I'm getting my ass off this plane. And the plane explodes and everybody fucking dies except for them. They were supposed to die. It was part of life's pattern. They cheated death. So death basically pulls out his kitchen knife, becomes a slasher, and he goes and hunts <laughs> him down. Yeah, he's he's coming back to get him. It's a really interesting take, especially with Tony Todd. Being, he's a mortician, right? Like he explains it to him. Yeah, he's the mortician. I found that really neat, especially with what after when I'd said when we were discussing Candyman as we go from a slasher in a movie that I don't really feel is a slasher movie to him being the one that explains that, you know, death is going to come for you all. You can't mess with his design. So it's a slasher movie without an actual slasher that's that's physical physically right. there. He's kind of. I mean, <laughs> we're going to argue that the Freddy Krueger's not physically there. He is when you grab him and pull him out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the train. But it, it's no, I understand neat. what you're saying. Like anytime 
somebody's about to die, like the wind blows and sometimes they see like a skull reflection in something. So it's kind of like he's like ghostly there. Yeah. And he's death. So he's iconic. Yep. And he uses basically Rube Goldberg machines to murder people. Exactly. So that's an iconic weapon. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> and it's really cool kills in the vein of what made over the top kills really fun in slasher movies before it. So it definitely tries to stay in that, that right. realm. And you have like a past strategy causing the event and then you have a final girl. Yeah. And she makes it in the second one. So they really, they followed a lot of the rules and, and just made a horror movie that had a lot of slasher elements. James Wong was the uh, director and writer for it. He worked on both the old and the new X-Files. American yep. Horror Story, Scream Queens, like all those things were in their own right pretty big. So he's a, yeah, he's a regular not, to not the turds. genre. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, it probably has some of the cooler kills in a horror machine or a horror machine in a horror movie. It's a murder machine. It's a murder machine just because <laughs> the way death isn't physically there to stab you. So he like makes this fall over to knock this over to make this person trip to get choked by this. It's just a bunch of really fun things to watch. Yeah. The first one, they border on. Well, some of them are straight up believable, but they, they stay a lot more grounded in reality versus what happens later on in the franchise as far as the setups for the kills. Right, right. Like I said, that was 2000. So like the next notable one to me was in 2001. It's Valentine. Happens on Valentine's Day. We're back to the holidays. <laughs> Jamie Blanks made this movie. Does that name ring a bell to you? A little bit. Uh, it's the guy that made Urban Legend. Okay. Which so we praised th- last week. That, that must be why it sounds familiar. He wrote and directed this one as well. Really? Did it's not, like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it did not work for me. Briefly, uh, you see kids in high school and there's like the nerdy kid and he's getting picked on. Well, it's, it's grade school. Grade school. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's even younger. So the nerdy kid basically gets picked on and bullied at the very beginning. And that's your, I guess, your past tragic event right there is he got bullied. It goes to present time and they're Bu- all bullied by up. a group of girls because they don't want to have anything to do with them. And uh, right, right. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this part, I guess. The one girl with, I guess, low self-esteem or takes pity on him does actually. Yeah, she makes ta- out with yeah, him. She makes out with him. She's getting made fun of. So then she it, acts like he forced himself. Right? Exactly. So they've all done something bad to this guy. So they're shitty characters, right? Um, yes. As adults, they're shitty characters. This movie, like I said, made by Jamie Blanks, Urban Legend was very well received, not just by horror people, but as a movie. Yeah. People wanted to be in it. You had Katherine Heigl in it right at the beginning of her career, which, yeah, it. I mean, her career, you know, kind of died off there at the end, but she yeah. started out strong. You had Denise Richards in it, I'd say at the height of her career. Yeah. Because this was like coming right off a of 007. Right, right. Okay. And you got in Wild Things. And oh, stuff like that. yeah, yeah. Um, you have some other notable actors and actresses in it. You have David Boreans, who I love from Angel and Buffy. Yeah. Not great in the movie. That's I don't insane. think he's in it. And then a couple other people you, you'd recognize from a few other modern things. But thing is, I don't really give a shit about any of the characters. No, they're hunted down one by one on Valentine's Day. They get the, the only good part of the movie. Like the mask is kind of creepy. It's a creepy Cuban mask. And they get these fucked up Valentine's Day cards. Those are neat. Yes. And I, I got to at least say one of them, okay. which is the best one in the movie. The, uh, Roses are red, violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Right. That was great. That's the best parts of the movie. Denise Richards is supposed to be the the kind of like bitchy, I guess, slutty trope of a character. Yeah. However, they somehow made her the only lovable one to me anyways. Like, I actually cared about her character and wanted her to make it. Eh, maybe they bounce around a little bit. I, it's almost like it's just because they spend too much time. Not too much, but they spend more time with her character than the other characters. I guess with the other one, that's the, the rich one with, yeah. with the... The boyfriend that's the yoga instructor. <laughs> yeah, they I don't know. But yeah, the you, you she already had a personality. Yeah. 
But for the most part, A, you, you find out real fast they're the ones from the beginning of the right. movie. You don't care about them because you already know what they did. And then there's nothing like new in their lives that makes you want to care about them. There's some decent kills. You got some regular kitchen knife kills, which I'm a fan of those. One of the characters is stuck in a hot tub with the glass lid on it. And the killer has a drill trying to drill into him. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Mainly a shitty movie, though. Pretty much. Ending didn't make any sense. Yeah, it just, it, it, it wasn't good. It didn't explain itself very well at the end. And, and I like to say that if, if Scream was 90210, this is Melrose Place. I guess the next thing we can get into here is 2003 Freddy versus Jason. So here we are with something that in the decade should be great. Okay. Right. Um, we've been waiting for 10 years since it was teased at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. And I think at first there were still rights issues with. Jason Voorhees or Friday the 13th was the first problem. Tons of problems for why this film, even when it got ready to go into development, it still ran into problem after problem with different people being attached and then leaving the project. Right. And not to mention it came out in 03. If you think of that 10 years in there, you have the nineties where we didn't have the internet and you had to go off like magazine articles and shit and rumors. The rumor mill was high. Yeah. Like there was point in times where Michael Myers was supposed to be in it. It was Freddie versus Jason versus Michael. There's point in times where it's going to be Freddy versus Michael. And when you see the plot of the movie, you could think that, okay, Michael's yeah. the shapes on a killing spree because Freddy fucking with him in his dreams. You had Ash versus Freddy yep. versus Jason. But that ended up being a comic at right. least. Right. But these were, I mean, hell, yeah, it might have this... been Fangoria in the 90s. I don't remember. Like these were, there were credible sources at the time talking about but it, this, this movie being made. But what we do know what was going on is this was one of those that was in script Dr. Hell because- they, it kept getting rewritten, rewritten, readjusted. Let's get somebody else onto it. I don't even know where it fits in the continuity of Jason. On that side, well, I mean, I it guess J- Jason's <laughs> in hell and this is sometime later. Is it though? Or is it before he went to hell? I don't. Well, I mean. You have the thing at the end of Jason Goes to Hell, but. Yeah, but Freddie explains it in the movie that he had to search the bowels of hell to find a way to get the Elm Street children to remember him. Yeah. So it's canon. It comes off after um, Nightmare 6, 5, 6. Freddie's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, 6, I think. Come well, on, Iron Elm Street guy. I know, right? <laughs> you put me on the spot and I lose all hope. So he uses him to actually go back and start killing people to get them to remember Freddy. They're right. going to remember the Springwood slasher. That part was really cool. But at any rate, there's cool kills. There's definitely cool kills yeah, in it. Yeah. I love the bed kill. Um, <laughs> that That's awesome. But there's even once the movie got made, the, the director, Ronnie Yu, had done some Hong Kong stuff. He did do Bride of Chucky, which... Take what you want with that, where it is in the series. I think it's awesome. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) So we end up with more of an action movie that just has the slashers in it. Ronnie Yu even said when he got attached to the project that he had to go back and watch the movies because he didn't know anything about the characters. Right, which is weird that you would let him do such an iconic, gigantic IP. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it was just a really bad interview and he was having a brain fart that day. But when you watch the movie, Freddy comes off as slapstick and Jason's kind of just there. And he's really... Freddy's bitch for a good chunk yeah. of the movie. Which, I mean, plot-wise kind of makes sense. Even me being a huge Halloween fan, if it would have been The Shape and not Jason in there, and The Shape was being, like, controlled by Freddy because he can't sleep and shit, yeah. I would have been okay with it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, sleep deprivation will fuck you up. <laughs> Except for Jason's, like, at this point in the lore, he's a fucking zombie, pretty much, right? Yeah. I mean, so, like, does he need sleep? It's kind of weird, you know, but he doesn't Freddie kind of show up as the mom a little bit. Yes, that's how he gets in him because he does the thing where he's like, let's dig into your brain to find out what really scares you. So I will say when you watch a a documentary or anything on the making of the movie, Ronnie, he was into it. Like he might not have known anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
about him, but he tried, like, the guy tried to make an awesome movie. Like, when you see him, like, this is how I want this fight scene to go, and he, like, fucking takes the weapons from the actors, and he's, like, stabbing the shit out of them. Yes, he was 100% into it. I'm not saying that he didn't do it justice. I'm just saying, by the time it came together, I still don't, it it wasn't as good as it could have been. Right. It's still a good movie. My wife loves it, but right. she's a hardcore Jason fan. So, now, it didn't have Kane Hodder. Like, what the fuck? I know he's not everybody's favorite Jason. But the heart that guy put into like the role, like coming up with the stunts and stuff in previous Friday the 13th movies, the guy really fucking cares. And he had been Jason for what, five movies probably at that point? Yeah, I don't, a lot. I don't know how many, but you're right. Exactly. With him being a stunt coordinator and actually being able to see it from both sides, getting with a director that actually understands how useful that can be didn't happen in this. Thank God it happens a few years later. Right, right. It's, it's just interesting. Like I wanted to know why Kane Hodder wasn't in it. And I've heard this rumor after rumor. And I found an interview with Robert England, but he said there was no bad blood or anything like that. It was just that Ronnie, you wanted Jason to tower over him. Mm-hmm. So I looked up their height and Ken Kurzinger, that's the guy that played Jason. Yeah. Okay. He's six foot five. That's tall as shit. Yeah. Kane Hodder is six foot four. Oh, wow. That's, that's a towering difference there. Isn't I, it? It's an inch. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like there's more to it. I'd love to believe Robert England. But <laughs> yeah. There's got to, uh, there's got to be something to it, but I, I will say Kane Hodder. He snuck his way into that fucking movie, though, because, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because there's a scene where they're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre three and he was the stunt coordinator and the stunt man in the leather face suits. Oh, OK. So okay. he snuck in there. They might not have realized it, but he got in there. There we go. That makes me feel a little bit better. All right. I guess the next thing that we'll get into is Saul came out in 2004. Yep. I like me some Saul. Not really a slasher movie. I haven't seen the whole series yet. OK, I want to go back and do it. I always liked the first one. I saw it open at night in theaters and, and really got into it. And I'm a big James Wan fan. And I know the mythos. I kind of know some spoilers on it. So that makes me want to go back. I'm, I'm going to be kind of excited. Kind of what starts to happen in two and three and how that carries right, right, on. Right. And, okay. uh, I was a big Dead by Daylight player. You know, I used to stream that on Twitch and stuff a lot. So like I, I love playing as I don't, don't want to spoil anything, but a killer that comes after Jigsaw. Right. So I, I know a little bit about that just because that game. I would definitely call it like I would put it in that pseudo slasher category. Yeah. Um, just if you haven't seen the movie and you're scared of the the whole torture porn thing, the first one is not torture porn and super gore yet. It's it's a good no, movie. No, it's it, it's it's more psychological than it is gore. I mean, two guys wake up in a bathroom. They're handcuffed. There's a corpse in the floor. They end up finding like tape recorders and play some tapes and withholding a little information from each other. Exactly. It, it kind of go ahead. I, th- I thought you were going to say that it's, you know, it's kind of a drip of information throughout yeah. the movie. Too. Yeah. It's uh because they're, they both have amnesia from getting drugged. So yeah. they're, they're, it's not like full on amnesia. They're getting their memory back slowly and they're trying to piece together why in this room and they have to play a game. You know, you have to want to play a game and it'll cut back to outside Your computer of that room. has been infected with tons of male porn. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bit I actually watched today and I had to throw it in there. But uh, it cuts out like Danny Glover's in the fucking movie. Yeah. I mean, as a cop, like he, he, what makes a movie more legit than Danny Glover as a cop? No shit. And he's, you know, trying to solve these murders and the murders are weird because people are basically put in a puzzle traps and they have a chance to solve it and get out. Yeah. Usually fuck themselves up in the process. As, uh, yeah. With some kind of sacrifice. But if they make it out, they get to live. So yeah. Jigsaw never actually kills anybody in the movie. But as a slasher fan, when I saw this movie. It scratched the slasher itch. He definitely yep. feels like a slasher. The the way I'll say the suit, we'll just call it the suit, right? <laughs> but like the way Jigsaw looks is is pretty iconic. And oh, yeah. then the 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 weapons, which are the traps. Plus you can see the weird pig thing attacking people when they start remembering how they got yep. kidnapped. And they go into that a little bit more in the sequels. Lee Winnell made the movie. 
And he actually plays one of the main two characters in the bathroom. Yep. He's also the guy that wrote the first few Insidious movies. He's directed a couple of them. He plays Specs in those. But him and James Wan went to film school together, and they're really good friends. So he wrote it. James Wan directed it. Their careers, are arguably, James Wan is a bigger star now out of this. But, yeah. And, and James Wan, I've actually saw an interview. He said he's not a fan of huge gore. Oh, really? And there is a pretty graphic scene kind of near the end of Saul. But he did it to like just prove the point of self-sacrifice. Okay. And things like that. But he said, you know, you go and watch the sequels and they get super gory and they become torture porn and it taints people's vision back to the original one. Gotcha. Not, if you think about it, it's not that bad. No, it's not. It's not. It's not graphic. It's it's more like I said, it's implied and uh, not even really implied. It's more uh, at least seeing suffering. But the traps you do, you get one really, really good trap seeing how things well two of seeing how things could go down right and then they just run with that hardcore in the sequels there is a there is a pretty deep plot to it though so it's kind of neat and i mean say what you will about the movie it did spawn an entire subgenre and a huge movie franchise yeah and the movie itself at a time when it came out it wasn't oh you got to go see this horror flick or you got to go see this subgenre flick it was it was a big movie. A lot of people went and saw that. I honestly think saw. the, uh, saw that. no <laughs> pun intended, right? I honestly think that might be one of my favorite like theme songs. Like the, the music for Saul is fantastic. Yeah. When I was actually getting the podcast music made, like our theme music, I went to somebody on Fiverr, which if you guys are ever looking for music, uh, just message me. The guy is fantastic, but he made me a theme song, which I love and I want to use for something down the road. And then I said, I want to know what you could do with something faster, something like the Saw theme. Mm-hmm. And he made what we have now, which doesn't sound like Saw. He still hit every note that I wanted. But yeah. like I use that as reference because I get pumped when I hear that fucking Saw theme music. <laughs> Absolutely. So now I'm going to go into or we're going to go into Hatchet 2006. It's going to be you for the most part. I've seen it once with you, but it was yeah, fun movie. Well, I watched it again for the podcast. But it's a good movie. The, this is one that I got to kind of reel myself in on so I don't go long winded on it. My wife actually showed me the movie. She had already seen it. So uh, written and directed by Adam Green. Once I saw it, started eating up all of his stuff. So that's that's why like I could go on and on. Right. I mean, um, every year at your Halloween party, you and your wife are like, "Oh, you got to see Hollister. I'm going to loan it to you. You got to yeah. see. You got to see uh, Holliston. Holliston. See, I fucked it up. Sorry. <laughs> but but exactly, and it's something that I'd really like to tear into at another time. The whole backstory with him getting into movies, the D. Snyder story, all that stuff. Let's put it on the franchise list. Um, basically, give you the the synopsis of the movie here. You have an iconic killer. You have an iconic weapon. You have a past tragedy. You have Kane fucking hotter. You have Kane fucking hotter. You have over the top kills. You have a wonderful sprinkling of comedy and you have a final girl. It is. There's a reason that the tagline for this movie was old school American horror from the beginning. This movie set out to, and this is the thing. A lot of people, oh not a lot of people, but some people that I talked to about this movie that hadn't heard of it, they go watch it and they're like, wow, that's just a ripoff of Friday the 13th or it's a ripoff of this or it's a ripoff of that. If you know more about it and really look at it for what it is, it is a love letter to I got the that. genre. Yeah. When I saw it, I, I definitely got the vibe. This is a guy that loves slasher movies or loves horror movies. Yeah. And he wants to make something and he wants to thank everyone before him for what they gave him. Exactly. So the story goes as far as the, the, the backstory on the movie is that eight years old at camp, the kids got told, don't go over there or hatchet face will get you. And that was it. And allegedly, Adam Green comes up with the backstory for Victor Crowley right there to scare the other kids. Right. 20 years later, he's making the movie. And 
what he did is he actually, him and his friends got together, went on a swamp tour in Louisiana and shot a bunch of B-roll. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they cut the shit together, had one of their friends, like five-year-old, six-year-old daughter do the, the audio for the mock trailer, cut together a mock trailer, and that's how they ended up getting funding for making the movie. Was the child doing the voiceover just to kind of set the tone? Yeah. Like, this, look how creepy this is. And here's a small child's voice. Exactly. Because she's talking about this is what happened to him. Just the brief little thing. And I don't want to go into a lot of details about the movie because I don't think a lot of people I could be completely wrong. I don't think a lot of people know about it. And it's a really fun movie. Over the top kills. Everything's over the top in yeah. this movie. And I mean, it, it, <laughs> in and a good way, in a good way. And uh, Kane Hodder, one of the great things about this is in a flashback, he gets to act and he gets to act. He gets to emote. And Adam Green really wanted to see that because he always thought that Kane Hodder could do so much more than just be a stunt coordinator or a guy behind a mask. And he's the stunt coordinator and the guy behind the mask in this movie. And one of the other things that's really, really neat that uh, Adam Green and Kane Hodder did is they wouldn't let anyone see him in the Victor Crowley makeup. Right. That's very Kane Hodder. (laughs) He would set up shots in a friggin' trench coat with a ski mask on. And be in there working with the actors to get everybody help with the blocking, set up the stunt. If they hadn't been introduced, needed to be introduced on film yet, they didn't get to see him. And he'd growl, bark, beat up pieces, set pieces and shit just to actually scare people. If you watch the behind the scenes on the belt sander kill, which is my favorite (laughs) fucking kill in the movie, that girl is literally crying her eyes out before they say action because he's got her that worked up. I mean, he just super gets into it. Anybody... Who thinks or even does not think they like Kane Hodder, watch To Hell and Back Again, his fucking yeah. documentary, and then see if you don't like the guy. Exactly. He's he's teddy bear. Yeah, he's, he's a big teddy, teddy bear. bear. <laughs> what was really interesting is this this guy managed to get Robert England, Tony Todd, Kane Hodder, and Mercedes McNabb all in his first movie. Right. And I don't think he sucked a lot of dick. I think he just <laughs> made some phone calls and actually if you know the backstory of him, he, he's not, he doesn't seem to be a fake person. Anyways, I know I'm gushing at this no, point. No, you're fine. You're fine. But once again, the really good balance of comedy and horror, Joel David Moore, what he did in that movie, there's a scene where Victor Crowley's actually ends up on top of him and basically drools straight into his <laughs> mouth. And so he goes to throw up afterwards. And when they're getting ready to shoot it, he pulls Adam Green aside and he's like, you know, the one thing I can't stand in these scenes is that stupid fake mouthful of fake vomit. It's like, yeah. And he's like, can I just gag myself till I throw up and you film it? Like, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what he did. So when you see him horking in that, it's legit and it's from head on, not from the side. You know, 100% that all of this is coming right out of the I didn't mouth. know that. That's like, I'm going to have to rewatch that scene with that in mind now. Yeah, he's puking his guts. He's up one of those that actors that, like, I would never say he's a great actor, but he's great in everything I've ever seen him in. Dude, when I was watching this, I'm. this is what I'm thinking. When I see that he's in the movie, and I'm like, oh man, I hope he's not in here for a long time. I hate Robo Bitch because all I'm thinking about is Grandma's Boy. <laughs> I have a robot vagina or whatever he says. <laughs> Exactly. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> Straight up slasher film. If you hadn't seen it, please go see it. I'll gush more about it later. Another movie we want to bring up. I actually didn't see this one. It's like a year ago. Uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie, Ver- Leslie Vernon came out in 2006. I really, really love this movie. It's a lot of fun. Honestly, it feels like if I would have made a slasher movie, what I would have done. Like <laughs> <laughs> The movie is very meta. Once again, it's our world, but. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, Chucky, they're all real serial killers that have high body counts and people know who they are. And this guy, Leslie Vernon, wants to be the next big slasher and he calls a film crew. They're like college students, right? Yeah. And he's explaining to them how a slasher works. This is what we do. This is how we prep. The final girl's not random. We're attracted to each other. We, we can sense each other. And he takes them on this tour 
all while they're filming a documentary on it. Right, right. They're filming a documentary. It looks like found footage, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not in HD. It's, it's not in widescreen, I don't think. No, it's not. And he's a really lovable guy. And like, they'll be talking. He's like, you want to see a magic trick? And he'll like pop out cards. And, and he's just really fun. And then when he does slasher stuff, it goes widescreen. Yeah. It goes HD. And he's he can be terrifying. Oh, absolutely. The actor's name's uh, Nathan Mazel. I don't think he's got a lot of acting credits. I don't know, but he was great in this. But he was great in this. I mean, there's so many good lines. Like, you know, it's so hard. They're running from you. You got to do all this cardio because you got to look like you're yeah. walking, but keep up with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and this is this kind of hits that you said like a love letter to the horror movies. This did that in itself. No. Yeah. He shows that that anything that happens in a slasher movie, because he really deconstructs the genre, like the way a chase goes down, the way a weapon doesn't kill a, a slasher because it breaks, the route people take, it's because the slasher spends months planning and setting up and like sawing the handles to the yep. week and making the situation go so that the final girl is the final girl. Yeah, the whole behind the scenes on that and like when, when it gets closer to the night and he's like, and then this is going to happen and then this person... And it, it's like all the stuff where you want to say, it's like, oh, well, she would have run away or he would have done that. Or like you say, it's like, no, no, no. Months ago, we set this up. So this weapon isn't going to work. And then this door is going to be blocked. So they have to run that way. Meanwhile, I'm yeah, it, that whole angle is phenomenal. And the film crew, you don't even see the two guys until later in the movie. Yeah. And you see the, the main girl that's interviewing and doing all that. And they're kind of, I don't think they take them seriously necessarily at first. And they're, they're having fun with them. And they're actually characters of the show like the jokes are making and yeah. stuff like that and when he goes to stalk the final girl at the beginning of the movie and he like rigs up a brick with fishing lines so that he can make the door slam and he appears standing there and scare they're all into it they think it's yeah. really fucking cool until the end with the party yeah so they get to a party that's set up for the kids to all be there and he's like this is when i'm gonna do my murdering spree and then they're like it, it just clicks like we're about to Make a documentary and film this guy fucking murder all these innocent kids. Yeah, we're going to stand here and not only do nothing, we're going to film it. The movie gets a little bit deeper at the end. It gets pretty dark. Like, first two thirds of the movie are kind of fun with a little bit of slasher stuff. Oh, yeah, they're setting you up to love this guy. Yeah, and then the third act of the movie is a slasher movie. Like, it, it drops the found footage. He's creepy. There's a fucking high body count. Yep. Some plot twist. It's a good movie. I definitely recommend checking it out. There's some neat things like the late, great Scott Wilson, as you know, as Herschel from Walking Dead and yep. other things. He is uh, his father-like figure and his mentor, and he goes and eats dinner on Sundays with him and his wife. His name's Eugene. The writers actually, their, their plan when they wrote his character, he's Billy from Black Christmas. Okay. okay. And he's retired now, and he talks about how he had to retire because he went and did his thing, and he set it up, and then the greats came in. Like Michael and Jason came in and had all these high body counts. Motherfuckers setting up franchises. And setting up franchises for murders, and he just couldn't keep up with them. Right. So he uh, retired and he's been teaching Leslie all these tricks of the trade. And they get so excited during one part of the movie because Robert England pops up and he's basically knock off Dr. Loomis. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, they, they even they call him. Uh, we got an Ahab. Yeah, we got an Ahab like it's Moby Dick. Right. Like there's, they like have a celebratory dance and stuff because there's an Ahab actually hunting Leslie down. But like I said, I didn't see this one like really early on. It came out in 06. I saw it last year. But it's a dark comedy that that turns into a slasher through and through. I saw it with my buddy David on a, we used to do weekly by weekly horror movie nights. Yeah. So I actually got to see that in your next, which we're going to talk about later the same night. So that was a good night okay. for me. A couple other quick things on it is uh, you mentioned Robert England. You've also got Kane Hodder with a right. very quick cameo. He's uh, walking in, in a Freddy's house. <laughs> exactly. Which is just fun to see in and of itself. And then uh, Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she's at the library, and actually, when when you get when the backstory gets revealed, she's the one going right. through the old news clippings with. Uh, well, I don't want to say that with our lead girl. Right, right. And uh, when she's showing the town and stuff off, they're standing in front of the Red Rabbit Lounge. Oh, really? From Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, okay. They, they got a sign and everything looks just like the matchbook. So this movie definitely, like, mentioned the slashers. It's in a world where they're real. And then threw some of the actors in, too. So it's like meta level on top of meta level, really. Yeah, and that made it really fun. It was a departure. That right. It didn't have to go away from everything because, like you said, when they do the cuts from one camera to the other, when the, when shit's really going down, they can just jump right back into that world. But the whole angle of slashers are real. Here's a documentary on one coming into his own. It's, and everything's rigged. And it's yeah, just a genius. lot of these movies we've talked about when we say they have comedy and horror. It's straight up comedy. This is like a dark comedy because yeah. you're like rooting for this guy. You're like, yeah, he's going to murder all those kids. And then you kind of like get the realization the same like, time the film crew does. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's going to murder all these. Oh, shit. He's going to murder all these kids. <laughs> but it's it's just the actor, like, fantastic. No. They did a comic book series, like, after the fact because a sequel has been teased forever. And they just really need to do a sequel to this movie. But, you know, we had our dark comedy pseudo slashers. No. Our torture porn pseudo slashers. No. Then the home invasion pseudo slasher start to kick in. Yeah, this is uh, another one of those things in the retooling of what we see happening. It it sounds weird to talk about this, but if you watch these movies and think about it from a slasher point of view, you couldn't have these movies without the slasher movies that came before. And they really do take the elements from those and use them in new ways while going back to the old school psychological horror, psychological terror and putting them both together. It's really weird. Like I never thought of these movies as not being slashers until we were doing the podcast. And like the next couple we're about to talk about, I've seen quite a few times. Yeah. And looking at it from a different point of view, making the podcast, I mean, I really do kind of have to step back and separate them a little bit. And this is a part where I, I'm not going to dump on things. I, I I get where some things are happening in these, but this is where what's real interesting is. You and I kind of split paths. We see. Yeah, we're going to split a bit right here. We we agree on so much stuff in these movies. And this this is the first area where we're getting into where we're going to go in two different directions. So with The Strangers in 2008, the best way for me to say this is I guess I was too desensitized by the time I saw this. It's grounded in reality. Got a couple that's obviously on the rocks. We have a, a proposal attempt. Uh, it doesn't even make it to the attempt, but what looks like it's going to be a proposal. It pulls the ring out to ask, and she looks at him like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay. <laughs> so they go back to this cabin, which is all done up romantically, like this was supposed to go right. So you're getting to know these characters that they're just, they're both stuck there. They're not happy in their lives for whatever reason. Got this random person that comes to the door and asks for... Is Tamara here? Exactly. And it's like, no. Like, goes wandering It's done off. really well, too, because the porch light's out, so you can't see, you can't see the, face. the girl's face, right? And it's it seems like a, a young girl, not like a kid, but... Late teens, like yeah. this kind of vibe you get. So it seems pretty innocent. So it's just like, eh, whatever. But then what starts happening is it, it, it leads into them getting stalked by three. Obviously, what ends up being killers from trying not to do spoilers here. But I mean, we're talking about stuff. It, in, it's in, a home invasion slasher movie. People fucking die in this movie. Exactly. Thank you. They got cool masks. The masks were cool. Love the idea that it's like a family. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Because you got... The the guy has like the burlap sack mask, but it's done a good effect. Yeah. You have uh pinup. Pinup. Which looks as, like a pinup model. Yeah, which seems to be mama and then you know, Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and then uh <laughs> Baby Doll. Yeah, baby doll. So yeah, yeah it that was neat. It, um, it was original, like on the mask, yeah. It, it was. Where we differ here on this is for me, I'm just sitting there bored and yelling at the screen. Yeah, Josh, we've talked about this a little bit before, which we gotta stop doing that, but <laughs> You really, you felt like it was a slow movie. 
Yes. And to me, I don't feel like the movie was long enough to be slow. Yeah, I think it's 45 minutes into the movie before any real action happens. If you're looking straight for the kills to happen, it is very late in the movie. Yeah. Right. And them actually getting into the house. Thing is, though, they could have gotten the house at any fucking time. Yeah. They, they chose not to. They're like a cat. They play with it before they eat it. That That's 100% going on there. And, and that's what I said. I, I really get that. I think, yeah, even in my notes, you know, last house on the left type terror. This is real world. There's nothing. There's no supernatural. There's no over right. the top. There's nothing outlandish. And it's taking what's supposed to be a safe sanctuary, a home, and using it against you. This and is, if you notice on the outside shots, it's not in the middle of nowhere. They're like in a fucking cove. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in a neighborhood. Exactly. I mean, it's like, I think the movie takes place, like, it starts off about four in the morning. So, like, I guess everybody's asleep. Yeah. But it's the first slasher movie that you think of that seems 100% realistic could happen. Yeah. It even says based on true events at the beginning. Yeah. And they can so, say whatever that's they very want loose. to at the beginning of it. Like I said, I get it. Um, Just not for me. Definitely pulling from the slashers of the past and pulling from that old school drama, terror, psychological and starting to repackage it. And I saw this not like in theaters. I saw it at home, but I saw it 2009, 2010. So not too long after it came out. So it might be why I have a different look at it, but it definitely scratched like the slasher itch that I had. I remember I watched it in the prom night remake the same day and I was home by (laughs) myself and it was a creepy day. <laughs> Sun was up and I was creeped out. You know, like I didn't want somebody to come get me or peek at me through the windows. Well, see, and that's the thing. I'm, I may I may dump on on home invasion movies because they're just not for or some of them because they're not for me. But something that I was telling you about was in prep for this rewatching some of these the other night at home and hearing something in the backyard while watching a home invasion movie that I'm bored by. You know what? I got fucking scared. I'm turning off fans and muting the TV and all this stuff, trying to figure out where some noise is coming from. So it works. Even if even though I wasn't along for the fucking ride, it works. You're like, it's a shitty movie. Oh, I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> yeah. So it's something, man. It's horror, right? Exactly. And that's part of what makes horror so much fun. Moving on to your next. Oh, I was when I was splitting up the movies for me and Josh to do this movie is really high on my list. I really wanted to do it, but <laughs> I am. It's a great movie. I'm, I, I'm glad I made you rewatch it though. Yeah. I am very glad that I rewatched it because I remembered and it came out in 2011 and I remember watching it, I think on Netflix with the wife. It was one of those that I remembered liking it, but if you asked me about it, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Mask and crossbows. That's all I could remember. And going back and rewatching it, I love this movie now. We have sex at the beginning as far as a slasher movie goes. Okay. Right. So we got, so we open with sex and go straight to a kill. Yeah. I mean, so, it's immediately a kill. Yeah. And the use of the, the song that's playing on the radio right. on repeat that keeps happening throughout the movie, it doesn't get annoying. It gets, I don't know, that atmosphere worked for me for like this driving force of, right. of you can't get away that's what i felt from the from the repeat right you can't get away and it's it's the neighbors of the house where shit's gonna go down right so that way if you ran for help because it was a pretty far away exactly and uh as the family gets together you get just enough time with them that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop right like you're waiting on this brother to to bitch at this brother or this girl to get catty with this other girl like everything's right there and the moment you think it's gonna happen you get the second kill the second kill just comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, which I'm not going to go into detail for it, anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Right, right. But it's a large family, though. I will say that. It's yes. a rather large family. Everybody has a spouse or a significant other. Yep. And they're they're having dinner. And you can see that yeah, the it's, family- It's an, it's a an anniversary them, dinner for the parents. For the parents, right, right. So, like, in a lot of the siblings, they couldn't be, they couldn't be more different, you know? Yeah. And so there's a lot of back and forth talk. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is going well. And they're just, bam, something fucking happens. Exactly. And then once it gets going, it never lets up. It really um, does not. I mean, there is kills 
galore. That doesn't let up. One of the most interesting things to me with this movie rewatching it was just the score. Right. Um, Because I think I bitched about it before, like the violin thing from Psycho. Okay. It's iconic, but watching that movie, I get sick of hearing it. Okay. Um, In this movie, the score changes a bunch and it changes from emotion to genre. When the movie slows down, which it doesn't do much of, even the music keeps that it doesn't it's not necessarily up tempo, but it seems to keep that tension and that fast feel going right even in the lulls. The movie, weird to say this in a good way, but it's all over the place in it a is. good way. Yes. Right? Yes. Like from what's going on from scene to scene, you know, you're like, what's happening? I don't mean like it changes genres or anything, but it's like the pacing just goes up and down and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yes. Like it's used to great effect. Yeah, it, it really does. A badass final girl. Possibly the most badass final girl. And we get a reason why she's so badass. Yeah, it's just like a one-liner explainer, but it makes sense and it's completely fucking believable. Yep. And so there's no supernatural element or anything like that. It it is a home invasion movie. Right. It is a home invasion movie through and through and definitely scratched the slasher itch. There's three killers in the movie, right? And they all have different animal masks, a fox and a rabbit. And then- um, And a sheep. Yeah, and a sheep. Without getting into spoilers, the killers get back up. Later in the movie, too. Yeah. Right. And you're trying to figure out, like, why is there so many killers? What's going on here? And this is the one movie where I can say the final girl has the same body count as the killers. Yeah. If not more. It's I looked at sequel. This movie it actually is. has a really high body count. It's in the teens. Yeah. And it's it's split 50-50. It's split. Like, she killed. That's she's awesome. the slasher of the movie. Uh, it's go. a home invasion movie. And then it becomes a slasher because the final girl is hunting down and murdering all these fucking home invaders. It's badass. It's. Actually, is this like an R-rated Home Alone? <laughs> I guess so. It's a hell of a lot better. And and on that note, there's no, almost no comedy in the movie. No. But it doesn't feel overly dramatic because of it. And it doesn't feel like there's too much going on at once, even though it is just fucking constantly going. I highly recommend it to anybody, even if you're, don't like slashers, but like horror movies, or even if you're just into like thrillers. Yeah. I feel like it, it scratches all the itches. It absolutely does. And it's just fun. Now, if you want to get back into comedy and drama, we've got The Final Girls 2015. Drama. I don't know if I could fit drama into that. I, I'm with the whole mother-daughter story. This is a weird one. I don't know how much that. Well, you find out in the beginning of the movie. At its core, we have a movie about a girl who lost her mom. Right. In a car wreck. It's at the beginning of the movie, so I'm just going to say it. But she had been a scream queen, quote unquote, back in the 80s. The mother was. Yeah, the mother. Pretty quickly, we end up with a group of kids that end up sucked into said movie. Right. I mean, this movie is basically, I can't believe I'm going to say this in, in a serious way, but it's Last Action Hero meets Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's a great way to put it. It's a, it's like a, a film festival, like a con, right? Like it's a horror con. Yeah. And maybe it's the anniversary of the first two movies and they're it, airing it. And something exactly. happens and they get sucked in. It really does make you think of Last Action Hero at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what's cool is instead of doing an, uh, a new slasher movie or an homage to the 80s slasher movies, we, we take the characters and throw them in an 80s slasher movie. Right, right. So now we don't have to make excuses. We don't have to do the whys or anything like that. It's got a really good balance of comedy. And I'm not going to say gore or horror because I think it suffers from its PG-13 rating. Yeah, I mean... That happened a lot with horror in the 2000s yeah. where PG-13 
and killed you, and you would movies. think a slasher is one where you can't get away with that and this one does i, I do want to say josh has been trying to get me to watch this movie forever yes i knew since we started talking about the podcast before that actually I, a couple years <laughs> oh, ago I tell you about yeah, it yeah. when i watched it okay and i knew the premise from seeing the poster and i don't always get into the comedy horror movies as much as josh does. i like it when they're subtle like i remember idle hands was probably the first comedy horror movie i super got into but I was a little reluctant to see it, even though there's some pretty big cast members in it yeah. as well. I will say, I want to say one scene. It's not spoilery because it doesn't affect the plot. They bring some modern stuff with them, right? Yeah. And one of the girls, it's actually Nina Dobre, right? From Vampire Diaries. Yeah. She, uh, she's kind of like the bitchy character, right? Yeah. And um, she has Adderall in her purse, right? And there's one girl that is having a hard time keeping her clothes on. And it's because she's supposed to be because they're playing through the movie. There's actually like resets. Yeah. Right? They, I, they play through every 92 minutes. They figure yeah, out when once they get there. If they stay in the same place, it loops back around for them. Right. Yeah. So they're trying to tell the characters like, oh, no, don't do this or this is going to happen because they've seen the right. movie. And they're like, what? what and there's one girl that in the movie, the actual movie that they're sucked into, she takes her clothes off in the movie yeah. and uh, gets killed immediately when, when her boobs come out. Right. Like very Friday the 13th esque. And she keeps wanting to take her clothes off. So they end up like duct taping her and putting like oven mitts on her. Yeah. She's got a life jacket on. They're like, how many did you take? She's like one, three, 13. Like it just keeps going. And, and just to, just to let you know the fun tone of this movie, she has a part where she steps out in front of the cabin door. Cause they're like, you're on. Cause they're trying to lure the killer. Yeah. So they let her take the oven mitts off and she's like on Adderall dancing like really fast, trying to do like a strip dance to like, she's my cherry pie or something. Right. That's exactly right. And it's something <laughs> that I called the movie out for right then because the movie that they're in, I think the it's 88 at the latest. Okay. Um, I may be wrong on the year, but it's in the 80s. And that song did not get released until 1990. Oh, okay. okay. So having that that prominent scene with that music did piss me off. I do want to say it just that scene really like just lets you know the vibe of the movie. Right. Yes. Like that encompasses all of it. And like I said, the cast, they're all funny. They're yeah. all funny. Now, it, and the reason I made the joke about going into it is it does get touchy feeling. Like one of the things I don't like sometimes is a really good raunchy comedy that tries to suck you in and be a tearjerker at the right. end. Um, once again, you got a character that gets to see her mom again because she's the star of the movie. Right. So that, that's another thing. So not only are they being chased by the killer from the movie, she's having to see her mom, which is fucking emotionally tormenting. Right. And she knows if they escape, which is the goal, that her mom's still gone. Her and friends it, are actually worried about her because she keeps trying to, they're afraid she's going to try too hard to save her fake mom in the movie and not them. Exactly. Right. When I was doing a little bit more reading for this movie, I found out that uh, the director, Todd Strauss Schulson, his dad passed away five weeks before he landed his first movie gig. Okay. So there's a little bit of real life in there. I don't know if there's there. some serendipity in there that it ended up with him, but I think it kind of explains why you get some really long, what feel drawn out moments between right. the two. But yeah, like I said, it's all around fun movie, and I'm glad I, I finally got to watch it. <laughs> um, this next part, I'm going to try to keep myself toned down. We're going to hit a couple of very recent slasher movies, ones that I enjoy thoroughly. Josh, maybe not as much. We'll see as we go. <laughs> I do want to say I, I incorrectly said something earlier. I said that I watched um, You're Next and Leslie Vernon at my buddy David's house on a horror movie night, mm -hmm. back to back. I did see both those movies with David at his house, but it was Hush, which I'm about to talk about from 2016, and You're Next. Okay. Which I I watched both of those back to back. Fucking awesome horror movie. See, that's what, see, it scared you so much that now you love them. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Hush is really high on my list. I usually, I would try to pick out the movies for me and David to watch. And I'll slip in through Netflix. And I saw it was a Netflix original or at least an exclusive. Maybe they got it first. Yeah. I saw Mike Flanagan made it. And I love Oculus. Okay. Like, have you seen Oculus? Yes. 
fucking that was one of the first horror movies in like a decade a to long, actually freak me out. Yeah, a long time. Couldn't look in a mirror the same way for three days. But I saw Mike <laughs> Flanagan made it, and it looked like a slasher movie. How could we go fucking wrong with it, right? So I picked that movie, and we go to watch it. And if you've never seen it, please go to Netflix and watch it. But there's a slasher. He's the man, is what he's referred to in the credits. Could have been called the hunter, right? Because he's got like hunting knife and a crossbow. He's got his notches cut out in it. Yeah, he's tooled up. He's got a mask. You you see these two women hanging out at the beginning of the movie, and one of them's an author. And she moved out to the cabin to help a writer's block, right? Yep. And she's completely fucking deaf and mute. And it was from like a bacteria or something she got. It was like an infection. Yeah, something calls, happened right? in her teens. Right. So she, she's trying to write a book and she's trying to come up with the ending. That's where she's stuck. And her neighbor is like, oh, you'll get it. And they're, you know, they're using ASL and talking. And she goes home. And then it, you see the, the author, the main character, she's cooking. And her neighbor, who lives a little ways down the street, comes running, covered in blood, being chased by the guy and gets shot with a crossbow bolt and dies, right? Like, that's not quite the opening scene, but it's not too long. Yeah, it's not too far. But she's beating on the window for help, and the neighbor's doing the dishes and just can't hear. Yeah. The killer sees this, and he's like, fucking Yahtzee. She's deaf. Ding, ding, ding. Like, he even beats on the, (laughs) I think he taps on the glass with his hunting knife, right? I think so. She can't hear me. Yeah, and that's when he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. So he drags the body off so she can't see it, and then, of course, she looks up. And they do explain, like, her disability and how her house is set up for it. And yeah. you get an idea how her day-to-day life goes. She gets on a like a FaceTime or a Skype call with, um, I think it's her sister. And the killer is in the house and like gets the phone. He's watching her from the closet and like taking pictures and sending them to her and freaking her out. Yeah. So she knows she's being stalked. But by the time she turns around from getting the FaceTime pictures, he's gone. Yeah, she's got real slow service. Yeah, the, <laughs> the closet door is open. The front door is open and he's gone. So she's freaked out. Locks up the house. And this is another one of those home invasion type things where the killer could come in at any time. Yeah. He'd rather fuck with her. Yep. He's really smart about it. She tries to sneak out a bunch of different ways and just can't. Yeah. He's got some personality to him because somebody shows up later in the movie. And I don't want to get too much in this part, but it's the boyfriend from the neighbor and he's looking for her. And the dude walks up and he just acts like he's a detective. Yeah. He acts like he's a cop. Yeah. He's like, I'm a rookie, blah, blah, blah. I don't know this area real well. Are there any neighbors? Does she live alone? And he, he's trying to, you know, yeah, play it let me, cool. Let me pull some information out of you while I'm doing this. And while he's talking to the guy, like getting all this information, he's like, God, you're big. <laughs> Did you play football? <laughs> and uh, they have a cool fight scene. And yeah. the way it happens, it, it's really cool how he gets them, right? Yeah. Like, it's really smart. It's not a straight on fight. And Killer barely makes it out of it. And he, it's one of my favorite lines in the movie because, fuck, I could have never taken you in a fair fight. Like, it, it kind of <laughs> dresses that. Something, you know, something you see in slasher movies. Yeah. Like, how did they, the killer do all this? He couldn't. He had to cheat, basically. Exactly. But um, the movie, like I said, I don't, I don't want to do any plot twists, but she's trying to come up with the ending of her book. So yeah. her, as a writer, she has cool scenes playing out. Yeah, in her head. Yeah, in her head. If I did this, would this happen? If I did this, would this happen? Exactly. And it's used to great effect. And she's the final girl in yeah. the end. But, I mean, it is a home invasion movie, technically, because he's breaking into the house. But- we have a lot of the stalking elements and the mask and yeah. the final girl. And it's very slash. I mean, I count it as a slasher more than I do a home invasion movie. This is another movie you felt like it dragged. I was right? going to say, yeah, this, this is, this is another polarizing one for me. Whereas you dig the stalking, I'm yelling at the TV. Well, uh, you don't get a lot of human slashers that talk. True. I mean, like Freddie talked, Chucky talked, but they weren't human and they were yeah, goofy. Yeah. Like this is a real, it's if, if the shape could talk. Yeah. Right. And I, I really liked, I guess for some of the same reasons why I liked Leslie Vernon, I liked hearing 
like his thoughts, like on how was he going to get past the giant boyfriend? Yeah. The it, six foot five. Once you know, again, like humanizing the character, you know, and, and like him trying to figure out how he's going to hunt her down and stuff. So I did, I did like that part too. I thought that was, I mean, I wouldn't say original, but you just don't see it that often. No. Like a real killer. And, and I get it. And it's taking, uh, not just home invasion, but then we've got, you know, this, this girl can't hear. Right. So now imagine how much more difficult surviving this is going to be in that situation. Right. So it does add another element to it to where if you're not getting the terror just from the situation that if you get in her shoes and like this just got 10 times worse. Right. And it, I forgot to mention this, but you, you saying something about her being deaf. It really kind of adds to it because when the cuts to her point of view, all the sound stops. Yeah. It breaks the tension in a, in a good way. And this was I'm guessing at the year of release, this was before. We hadn't started getting that a bunch in movies. You know, we right. got a lot of them where like you get the hit and it goes quiet and then you yeah. get the tinnitus ringing. Thing. Right, right, right. That wasn't being overused at this I point. I didn't feel like it had been overused. Uh, I will say like I saw it that horror movie night and then I watched it for the podcast. Fucking just as good, if not better, as the first time to me. Like, I, I really enjoy I think it's a great modern slasher movie. Mike Flanagan just makes good movies. No. And good shows. So I, I think it was a good one. And give it a watch, even if you're worried it might be a little slow. If you have Netflix, yeah, yeah, you by, have it. <laughs> by no means am I saying it's a bad movie. Same thing with The Strangers. It's just it. I, I come from the minority, I think, on these where I'm I'm so much thinking behind the scenes of what's going on that I can't suspend disbelief and go for the ride that I bitch about that about some movies in general, where right. if, if a movie can't get me to suspend and just go for go along for the ride, I'm losing interest. I'm, I'm looking for faults there. Yeah. Now, I know you like your little, your action and kind of jump in a little quick and I kind of in the same way, but if the movie can give me goosebumps or yeah. like a chill or make me think it satisfies that part of my brain. I got you. Right. That like where you need the action. Like if I got the goosebumps, it's the same thing as me getting like a jump or yeah. something happening, you know? So it's just, I like the creepy factor. <laughs> well, the other thing that, that I really like in them is when we get into the comedy and we get into the comedy done well. And that brings us to 2017 and happy death day. Happy Death Day. This is we've pretty much the eye to eye on this one. Uh, I think so. This is a pleasant surprise to me. I was watching Scream Queens, I think. Like it was one of the few horror things I get my wife to watch. It's funny. And they just kept playing the fucking trailer over and over for this movie. Right. And it yeah. had the, it's my birthday. I don't have to pick up the phone. Oh, dude, the most annoying ringtone in uh, the history of cinema. And it's just playing. And I kind of got the gist of it. It's a slasher movie. They make it very clear that she's stuck in a time loop for yes. some reason. Right. Like it's not a not a surprise. And I wanted to see it. Came out on a Friday the 13th. I thought it was cool. Couldn't make it to theaters to see it. Oh, really? Really upset. I was telling David about it. We had a couple uh, bum horror movie nights. We had some bad movies picked. And this one was a little iffy. Like, it looked like, I was like, as long as it's fun. He's like, eh, why not? Let's watch it. And I cannot say how pleasantly surprised I was. It's a Blumhouse movie. They're yeah. pretty good. I mean, they're, there's not that many bad Blumhouse movies. No, Blum, and, and since you brought that up, Blumhouse really is starting to become our, our current powerhouse of horror. I mean, right. it, it really is. The movie is definitely Scream and Groundhog's Day put together. Yes. I feel like that. Uh, it has both vibes. PG-13 movie, but used well. I'm glad you brought that up because when seeing the trailers, that's where I got scared was like, oh, this idea looks so cool. Oh, it's PG-13. It, it and, it worked uh, in this movie, though. It did. No, I went and saw it in theaters and was pleasantly surprised. Some interesting facts about the movie. It's set on a shelf for 10 years. It was called Half to Death. I don't really get that name, but they had a hard time getting it out. So that's kind of neat that like it set there for a while. And it, maybe it was just because it was an interesting thing. But I just wanted to bring that up because that just shows they couldn't get the movie out. They got it to Blumhouse. Yeah. And they made it happen. So, so it wasn't stuck in, in pre-production. It was actually complete and shelved. Uh, I think they were having a hard time getting time? greenlit. Right? Okay, okay, okay. But Blumhouse greenlit it. 
Gotcha, right, so gotcha, just gotcha. like Blumhouse and A24 are doing a really good job of getting us like smaller movies that wouldn't have came out. Yeah. This movie did not have like a small indie vibe to it at all. Oh no, it felt like a full blown studio movie. You get your main character Tree. Okay, she goes to college. I still She's a can't get behind girl. that name. I'm assuming it's short for Teresa or something. Could that, you see that? Maybe that makes it make okay. more. That, uh, that's palatable now. Uh, <laughs> granted, this moan head came in here. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> so she is your stereotypical, I guess, bitchy college girl. Yeah. sorority girl, I mean, right? Like, not nice to her friends, not nice to anybody, not yeah. nice to her roommate. Yeah, they set her up off the bat for you to not like her. And it's her birthday, which you get from the ringtone, because she wakes up in this guy's dorm room, doesn't know she got there with this annoying-ass ringtone about her birthday. <laughs> you know, she has, it's very Groundhog's Day, like, walking out and shit happening, right, yep. to her, like, just right off the bat, before you even get the first reset. And their school mascot is, I don't know why the fuck they have a baby face, but it's a creepy baby face. Yeah. It's funny and creepy. And it looks like something you might would see in like a kid's show or yeah, something. Yeah, it's almost too much. But she's going to her birthday party, and she's like dressed up to the nines, you know, ready to go party. And there's a music box, and you're like, what the fuck's happening? And the slasher shows up behind her, traditional knife kill, yep. right? Wakes up in the bed with the annoying song again, right? Exactly. And you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. The, you see the mask, you see the hoodie, you see other kids, yep. other people on campus with the mask and a black hoodie on. It's, it's that whole terror train chameleon costume thing, right? The killer exactly. Goes through the day again. She's starting. It's like, it's just like Groundhog's Day. I mean, this could have been a retelling of Groundhog's exactly. Day. Exactly. She's kind of catching on. And then she gets a cool shovel to the throat kill. Right? Like, it dies. And, and, and she basically figures out she's got to solve her own murder. Or she's stuck in this loop forever. Exactly. That's her. Because she's, she's, she's having to explain it. Again, a lot like Groundhog's Day. She's having to explain it to the guy that she wakes up with. Like, I know these facts, you know, she gets to the point where she can call out stuff before it happens. And like, and this is what I think's going on. And he's like, okay, I'm going to help you figure this out. Right. She has to convince him just like Bill Murray had to convince the reporter that he worked with. Right. Exactly. Has um, to redo it every time. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a really, really fun ride for what happens with her getting to watch her go from confused to aware to terrified to right. pissed and then back to terrified by the time it gets to the the montage. Right. You're going to you know, that's going to happen death at some montages. point. Yeah. Uh, of her going through it and trying different things. Really fun the entire time. I want to say 100 percent one of the best character developments in a movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like you go from hating her to just rooting for her the whole time. Because it's, uh, she discovers herself throughout the movie. She exactly. becomes a kind person. She makes amends. Yeah. She has that, uh, she has that reformed, cool kid, teen rom-com type thing. Happening. And I actually, I want to see her in more movies after this, but just because that, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can watch a movie with her the whole time at the beginning. Yeah. And then by the end, she's fun, especially like she fucks up a couple of times, like trying to figure yeah. out the killers. She's like, oh, I can kill the killer right now. But I fucked up, but the guy I, died. Yeah, right? yeah, then, then he's dead, So too. she has to commit suicide a couple of times. Yeah. She ends up, here's one thing that bothers me. Like, you know I'm not a sequel guy for the most part. I yeah. am pumped for this sequel to come out this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. The trailer looks like a lot of fun. She's got some goofy suicide scenes in the trailer. Yeah. Concern I have with the continuity, and I hope this isn't a spoiler. One of the times she dies, she ends up in the hospital throughout the day. X-rays or MRIs are done, and there's scar tissue for everywhere she died. And the That's doctors right. are baffled. Yeah. And she makes a line- you feel like there's some stuff cut out in the movie. Cause one of the times she's eaten with yeah. the guy, she says, every time I die, I'm weaker. Oh, she actually says that line in the movie I when they're in the diner that. one time. Okay. Okay. It's out of place. I feel like there was more on that plot and they cut it out. Something hit the cutting room floor. Okay. So you have that in the scar tissue line. Well, when you watch, I'm, I don't kind of uh trailer as a spoiler. Do you No. She's chugging Drano. 
<laughs> she dives out of an airplane in a bikini with no parachute yeah. on. If she's getting scar tissue from these deaths, like, the shit's I don't know. gonna add up. <laughs> but there's a line in the trailer. I she does say something like, "I only have so many tries at this," or "I only have so many lives." She says that in the trailer. Okay. So I want to know how they explain why she's okay. Like, well, what's the scar tissue when you jump out of a fucking airplane and hit pavement? I know, right? <laughs> or the well, Drano. What's that do to your insides? There's an interesting thing here. Well, with the loop, we have what I guess is a supernatural element. And I'm, I'm just guessing on that because like you said, it's not like it's playing out in her head like it was all a dream right. and, then, and then she figures it out with the whole scar tissue and everything. So there may be a whole other way to go with it that we're not even aware of. They made um, me very happy. They did the same thing Groundhogs did and did not fucking explain why it time loops. Yeah. It's just this is how it is. Now, two things I have to say. One, the Universal logo at the beginning, how they do the starting and restarting. They loop just, it. Yeah. yeah just, just like the movie. Just it's like a loop. loop. It's time loop. Best way they've done that since the one they did for Scott Pilgrim. That, that's a fun one too. Like everything about the intro, everything about Scott Pilgrim. Like I, it's not a horror movie. That's a fun movie though. If you haven't seen it, watch that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> that's one that was not on my radar that I got shown that I was pissed that I didn't see it when right. it came I out. I saw that one in theaters. I, we got to move on off of this movie, but I want to say it actually has a pretty decent twist on the end when they solve it. My wife figured it out like 20 minutes into the movie. They do a good job of diverting attention. They do. Multiple directions. Okay. So it could go a couple ways. So there was that, but we, we said at the very beginning. PG-13 and not R. They do a lot of cutaway kills. Yep. But they're really good cutaway kills. Like the knife, the shovel to her throat. Like you see the weapon coming, you know where it's going to hit the body. Yeah, you know exactly what's going to happen. And the time loop is what saves you there. Because the shovel is coming at her throat, she screams, and then, oh, it's your birthday. Not going to pick up the phone or whatever the fucking song is. every cut. (laughs) And so like, you know, you couldn't do that with cutaways in another PG-13 slasher movie. Because it's just, you just wake back up to the annoying song again. Yep. Right. That was what, 2017. So we're getting a decent slasher movie every year here for the most part, which I'll take a trickle of one a year. Yeah. So 2018, we got Strangers Pray at Night. Okay. Yeah. 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 I liked the first Strangers. I was excited to go see this one in the theaters. Went with my buddy David again. And I expected to see the Strangers just redone in a different house. Okay. okay? And I was okay with that. Like, I was like, it's not going to be anything exceptional. Fucking surprised me. This one is a slasher movie. Way more than the first one. Yeah. You got a family taking the daughter who's actually young. We don't have like a 20 something year old playing a teenager again. Yeah. I mean, she could be like 18 or 19, but she's playing like a 16 year old. She plays a younger role in Holliston. Oh, okay. She's in that way. as well. Yeah. Okay. She's great in the movie. Like she was probably the best character, but the whole family, pretty good acting together, bonding her and the brother. Yeah. The, the setup of them being dysfunctional in the way yeah. they are and why they are it is set up well. But the daughter, she's in trouble in school. They're sending her way to boarding school. Yep. They got to drive cross country. She's being very inconvenient for them. Yeah. yeah. She's being very inconvenient <laughs> for them. The brother mainly, he really wanted to play the baseball game. All right. She's got an older brother. They, they play siblings. Fucking perfect to me. Yeah. One of the parents, aunts or uncles or somebody runs a like trailer community on a lake. Yeah. Right. And it's mainly used for like vacation, like uh, Memorial Day weekends, things exactly. like that. Nobody's there. So they get to stay there for free. So they go there and they're supposed to just pick up the keys because they're coming in late. Right. So they're not expecting to see any people. Get that knock on the door and, you know, same, same setup girl. Like the timeline kind of fucks me up. Right. Because she's the same age roughly. Yeah. Cause is it, is it pinup or doll face? Uh, it's doll face, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doll face, baby doll. No, but I'm, I'm mixing, I don't remember. I'm mixing my stuff up. And you know, it's the same setup as before dark porch with doll face on it. And she says, is Tamara home? Right. And yep. they're like, no, you got the wrong house. A little creepy, but you expected it. She comes back again later and does it. So the parents really think something's weird. Yeah. Uh, does the daughter. Don't they do the whole thing where they actually, they turn the light on 
and she comes back and unscrews the bulb and then yeah, knocks yeah. on the door. Because or in the first Strangers movie, um, Scott Speedman reaches up and he turns the bulb and the light works. It okay. was just loose, right? So they did that again in this movie and they fix the light. But when she comes back the second time, the light's out again. Okay. So that's a little creepy. The brother and sister end up out. I know she's smoking. I don't remember if she runs off. Yeah, he um, gets sent to go fetch her because they got into it and she she ran off. And they find the trailer that the uncle or whatever lives in. Oh, that was the opening scene of the movie. The yeah. movie starts off with a kill immediately. Yeah, it starts off with, with yeah. What, so that's you something you like. Yeah, you don't know that it's them getting off, but you figure that out real quick. It, one, once it's they creepy get there. too because the guy's laying there and you just see her lay down next yeah. to him. Yeah, so they find the trailer from the beginning of the movie, and they don't specifically say, but I feel like it was the aunt and uncle. Oh, it, yeah. it it very much is implied. Fucking trailer stinks. There's a corpse. They run back to get the parents. The dad wants to see where it's at. The mom and daughter go in. The cell phones are trashed because modern day, you got to get rid of cell phones, right? Yeah. So they can't make a phone call. And long story story, uh, the, it's the same three killers. Stalks yeah. them down and fucking murders them pretty brutally. Yeah. There's the awesome pool fight scene with the brother. That's part of the best part That's of the movie. That's the best part of the movie, yes. Best use of Total Eclipse of the Heart. History of film. Okay. <laughs> um, the killers are really more of slashers in this movie. Yeah. They're very direct. They're fucking charging and fighting. You have the, the killer should die and they're still coming at me. Like yeah. it's almost like, I wonder, are they taking this, this franchise in a supernatural route? I don't know. Cause it really, cause she's, I mean, obviously it's more modern than the first one. And I feel like the, the first strangers movie to me, I felt like was in the past. They didn't really it, say, but yeah. it didn't feel like it was 2007 or eight or whenever it came out. Yeah. So even then this would be 10 years later, either way, 10 years, the girl should have aged. Yeah. And you see her without her mask on. And she's a young girl. Yeah, it really does feel like it's like the next night or the next weekend. And this is just what this group does. Right, right. Oh, one of my favorite lines from the original Strangers movie is at the end after after it's all over and done with. And they're getting in the car and they look at the girl and they say, don't worry, it'll be easier next time. Uh, so it's like that was one of the best lines of the movie. It's kind of yeah. creepy. It's like we've done this before. You haven't. We're getting you ready. Yeah. Right. So this is that next time, maybe. Or maybe there are several in between. But you get like. An axe murder, you get some good knife fights, you get yeah, yeah. Take, taking out taking it out of the house and actually bringing it into an environment, which is it it's still stuck in the park, but we we get chases now. We get right. chases, we get cat and mouse out in the elements, not just the people being toyed with in the house. I feel like there were throwbacks to other horror films as well. Like there's a scene on the bridge where uh the the man's in a, a burning truck chasing the girl down. It feels like Christine. Like yeah. it's straight up out of Christine. The end scene where she gets in the truck, that's Text Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And there's a couple up. other I can't think of off the top of my head, but like I felt like this was, I mean, they, they were paying their respects to the slashers before them, and they were using more elements of a slasher movie. There was less of the stalking, like you said, and more of the just direct, brutal killing. Yeah. A lot better movie than the first one. And I love the first one. Yeah. See, now, now me not really, not really getting into the first one. I like this one a lot better because it, it, once again, pacing. The next one here we're going to talk about. You might be the killer. Yeah. And I don't want to know how long we've been going. Um, 2018. Right. So I forget where I saw the trailer for this. I sent it to you. You sent it to yep. me? Okay. <laughs> I saw it and I was gushing. Like, right, right. Like just because of who I was seeing. Right. Um, Honestly, if I wouldn't have seen Fran Kranz and Allison Hannigan in the trailer, I don't know how much I would have gone for it. And I am right there with you on that one. And they carry the movie. Yeah, they, they do. 50-50 shoulder the entire right. fucking thing. Right. Because the rest of the cast, once again, trying not to do spoilers, really recent movie. Very recent, like the, came out in December. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the cast, I don't I don't care for, except for uh, the Kayak King. Right. Um, whoever was playing him, he was actually pretty good. He was good. pretty funny. They fit the tropes, though. 
Yes. Now, what was interesting when I went digging into this is there's a theory, I'm going to put it that way, or belief, it seems, looking online, that this all started as a Twitter joke between the writers. Okay. Now, given that this Twitter joke, and it's them doing the dialogue from the movie, like, I'm at a camp, people are dying. Well, well, who's the killer? I don't know. Are you carrying a weapon by chance? Right. When I went digging into it, I started looking. I'm like, this happened in late summer of 2017. And then the movie came out in 2018. So I really think the whole Twitter thing was just viral marketing. Possibly. But it's a great movie. Yeah. Really fun. Really, really fun movie. Um, my Don't favorite, watch it to, to see a horror movie, though. No, it is definitely a... It, it's, it's a comedy it's movie a horror comedy. with horror elements instead of the other way around. And it's a little dark on, it is. It's on dark the comedy, comedy side. Yeah. Um, as you follow the main character through his discoveries, you're you're sucked in. You really feel sorry for him. And that main character, that Fran Kranz, uh, you might recognize him from Joss Whedon's Dollhouse show. Exactly. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the He's Woods. So Allison's character, Chuck. Right. Okay. Which is funny because one of the writers is Chuck Wendig. And the only reason why I know his name is he's a Star Wars author. And you know, I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Yeah. So he's got some pretty good Star Wars books. And I would just assume that they named her Chuck because they couldn't come up with a name with her and just took Chuck's. (laughs) Very possible. I love her character being on the other end of the phone. She never wigs out. She doesn't break down. She is. She handles this whole thing. So matter of factly. Right. She's huh. Huh. <laughs> is that, and you've got people in the store that are like interacting. Well, not really interacting with her, but like you see near her, like listening to what they're like, huh? And then some of them <laughs> give some quips on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's what really helps keep the movie going. I know you really liked the the Grindhouse uh, title card. Pop-ups oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Through the movie. The title cards are great because it would pop up. The movie's not in chronological order. No. And it's an unreliable narrator, which I like. <laughs> yeah. But it'll pop up and say like six counselors dead. And then another so part far. of the movie, it'll say 10. Right. Because it's out of order. And then you'll get to the first one. It'll say one. And then it'll go back because more is remembered about when it said six. And then that number will get slashed out. A five will pop up. Exactly. And it's, it's just it's really clever how they do it. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Really, really, really fun movie. There's not a whole lot to say about it as far as being a slasher. It's just if you like slashers, yeah. watch this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you like comedy it, horror it's movies, at a camp. watch this movie. You know, it's yeah, it's it's just it's at a camp. You got to knock off Jason Voorhees mask. Kind of. Exactly. There is actually a little bit of a deep plot on why somebody could be the killer yeah. and what makes the person the killer and gives them their power. And it hits every fucking trope on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and it's mainly because he calls Chuck because Allison Hannigan's a horror or slasher expert. And she's like, well, this should happen. That should happen. Find the final girl, you know, things like that. Exactly. <laughs> like everything that we've talked about in this four part slasher series, like it, it hits it. Yeah. It hits it. I mean, it really does. It's and like, it, and it tells it from another angle, which is, it's like if one of you guys were stuck on a camp and called one of us, help me out here, you know, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we've stayed chronological for the most part on this. I'm going to just briefly mention the next movie. It actually came out a month or two before, uh, you might be the killer. Okay. But I want to talk about Halloween 2018. Okay. Of course you do. Of course I do. (laughs) I know we're not really doing sequels, but I I think it's great that we talked about the proto slashers. Okay. Because this isn't about a movie specifically. This whole series is about the subgenre, right? Yeah. So we started out with the proto slashers. Then we got Halloween being the definitive one that spawned everything else. So I just wanted to cap it off with us getting another Halloween in 2018, which is shitty as the sequels were. So happy to have gotten it. I mean, when I saw the trailer or not the trailer, when I saw the announcements and like bloody disgusting and Fangoria at first, I was like, Danny McBride's making a fucking Halloween. Movie? I know. Right. And, it, you know, he's making it with David Gordon Green. OK, he's a pretty good director. I mean, I liked Pineapple Express, but 
is how, Mikey going to be high the whole time? Yeah, how much farther <laughs> away from, it's from be a Minotaur dick can necklace, <laughs> like in your highness? You know what I mean? Like, how <laughs> how's this going to go? I mean, he's bound and down. Good show. He made it yeah. as well, right? So I saw Danny McBride was just going to be the co-writer. Okay, okay. He's creative. We'll, we'll just see how this goes. You know, I saw they got Jamie Lee Curtis back somehow. No. Then they're like, John Carpenter's going to be executive producer. Like, oh, shit. John Carpenter's doing the entire score. What the fuck? And then, you know, Nick Castle's coming back in the movie to be the shape. I'm like, how old is he now? <laughs> and, and you know, they go back. And if you don't know, because this is a pretty fucking new movie once again, they deleted every Halloween movie besides the original one. Yeah. There was just one. And that's all you need to know. And I'm a huge Halloween fan. But of the original, primarily, I watch yeah. all the sequels. I do not like most of them, right? Like it's just it's just a fact, it's just a thing there is. And they had all these things. They said it, and you're like, this. I hope this doesn't fail. And they rebooted Halloween before, and I'm not talking about the Rob Zombie reboots. I mean, like H2O. H2O ignored three, four, five, and six, right? Yeah. Like it was seven, but it was actually part three. So this time they're like, now we're part two, which is confusing. They should have chose a fucking different name. It's just Halloween again. Yeah, but. The movie, I mean, it really got back to its fucking roots. I would say it's possibly one of the best slasher sequels made because it feels like the first movie. There's a 40 yeah, year yeah. gap. Yeah. It, it, but it feels like a continuation of the same setting, the same characters, the same vibe. Right. Because you usually have a huge jump in between slasher movie part one and part two because it's different writers and directors and all sorts of shit. Exactly. Or in Halloween's case, Halloween two was still Deborah Hill and John Carpenter, but they didn't want to fucking make it. Right. So, so like it has that feel of the first one. So obviously it took from its own roots. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, Mikey is fucking brutal and aggressive in this movie. The yeah. tracking shot. One of the coolest tracking shots I've ever seen, right? Like it falls him down the street and just murder people in a house back and forth. Yeah. You don't get a reason, right? So that, no. that was really fun. Like they kept to that. We didn't, nobody's somebody's sister. They actually make a joke about how he's not yep. Lori's sister. You know, it's not a revenge for anything. I don't even know if he's going for Lori in the movie. It's just like he gets out and he goes to Haddonfield and I'm going to kill as many people until I get stopped. Yeah. And they set up how he ends up where he is with it being left open to interpretation of a why. Yeah. Probably if, if we're thinking of the same part, it's probably my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, um, I could do a 30 minute review on this movie I know, and it has flaws, but I can't get into the flaws without spoiling the plot. But they did a really good job of making Lori have PTSD way better yeah. than H2O. Like she is a fucked up damaged person. Yeah. I totally buy the backstory that they set up for and where she is now. Totally in vain with, right. with what would be in a realistic situation. Right, right. I mean, the movie is for the most part realistic. Cause you got to think Michael's not supernatural in this movie. He's a 60, I know it's ridiculous, but he's a 60 year old serial killer. Yeah. Right. It's been locked up for 40 years. Two asshole podcasters go to interview him. Not these two asshole podcasters. No, we're the <laughs> ones, ones. One of us is more likely to get turned into a walrus, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, he, he gets interviewed. So you, you feel this very real, like serial kind of setting, right? Like we're, yeah. we're following the serial killer that killed five people. Right. Yep. And then he gets out and he just goes and murders people without any reason. You get that, you know, he's pure evil and exactly keep every trope. They hit their own nails on the head. Yeah. And you end up with final girls because there's a family of them. You have three generations of uh, Strodes at this point. Yeah. And um, set it up to have a sequel. Fucking solid movie. I thought it was a good way to cap off. And when I was writing this podcast, I was going to say we capped the year off of the Halloween movie, which was perfect timing for us. Yeah. But then we ended up getting, you know, you might be the killer, but th th it was a fun movie. And then like a slasher movie. Exactly. And like you said, it's something we're going to definitely go into more detail on. Right. Um, let it be out for a little bit for one. Right. And uh, I would love to dissect that movie just because I could destroy it. I, the, the main reason I want to bring it up, though, I hope it gives us hope for good sequels. 
Yeah. I mean, it is cheating. You know, it deleted sequels in between 40 years later, made with a pretty decent budget. But like we have Happy Death Day 2 coming out this year. Yeah. Right. 2019. Hopefully it's a good sequel. Like I would like to see a trend of good movies with a good sequel. Yeah. Or just if don't make a fucking sequel then. Exactly. If it's something a little different or new or a re reimagining, which we're going to get into that in later episodes on some things. Right. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready for a new fun ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically. And and like I said, I'm happy with this trickle of one or two slasher movies a year, as long as they're quality. Yeah. At that point, I guess we're ready to wrap up slashers. Oh my God. I mean, the slasher series is <laughs> over. Okay. Um, I'd like to give you some numbers. Okay. Okay. Did you watch every movie on the Dude, list? Dude, I literally, did you see my body language? I literally feel yeah, a weight yeah, taken yeah. off of he my literally, shoulders. literally, like there was a ghost that left. <laughs> Uh, did you watch every movie on the list? I think everyone except for the very first one Peeping you talked Tom. about, Peeping Tom and Candyman. So it covered 35 movies. Holy so crap. you watched 32 movies, roughly. I think I watched 34 of them. I've seen every single one of them on the list. I just might not have rewatched them. Gotcha. But uh, I, I wasn't thinking about going through with a clicker to see how many kills there were a movie. I uh, thought it would be more easily accessible on the internet, but it just wasn't. So I'm just going to go with the average of five, okay? Because yeah, okay. some of you got one or two kills. Some of them you got in the teens out of what we watched. But if we if there was an average of five kills a movie, you saw 180 people get murdered over a month. Hey, that, that's enough for a so, month. <laughs> so, you know, whatever that does to your psyche. But I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about the current state of the slasher genre from where we started in the 60s and where we've ended now? Not to sound like an asshole, because I'm going to a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. On the one hand, stale. Okay. Played out. Okay. On the other hand, hopeful. Okay. And optimistic. Okay. We never really had a full revitalization, like up to the level of what it was back in the day. Right. And it's probably never going to be like that. It's unless like, this is the beginning of the trend. We won't know unless time plays out a and, little bit. And that's why I brought up like with, with Blumhouse, there seems to be an outfit that wants to take the lead. Right. So at least we have that. We're in the more recent movies. We're seeing things from the genre being retooled in a good way. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. I, I feel pretty good about it because, I mean, we were young for the 80s. So we saw the 80s a little later. Yeah. Right, like not early '90s and things like that. We were there for Scream, though. Front row tickets. Yeah, you know? which that one, it was it was a great revival, but it it died off fast. Yep. Okay. If we were doing this podcast two or three years ago, I would say bummed out and stale. But I feel the past two years or so, we've had some good movies like Pray at Night. They took a movie that was a thriller and made a good slasher out of it. Yeah. We finally got a good sequel, to Halloween. Happy Death Day was completely fucking new. Yep. Right. Hush for the most part was new. And, you know, we just we just have these things, even the pseudo slashers getting better. Yeah. So I feel like we're on, you know, we're, we're going up like the quality is getting better. Well, and then we also have like, you know, a brand new filmmaker like Adam Green. I'm going back a few years yeah. to 06 and the, the hatchet sequels are not great. Like, Most slasher movie sequels are not great. They're like your typical franchise. But uh, it's cool that uh, and even with some of the Blumhouse stuff, it's cool that we're seeing young movie makers that, you know, like, like you've, you've I think you've said before that, you know. Making a, a horror movie, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. Making a slasher movie, they're typically cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that that's still happening and that there's there's still care for the art. And when if you want to look at it as art, so that's why I'm hopeful. It's been big enough that it's not going to go away, but okay. we're we may be at a some somewhat of our crossroads. Right, right. We we really did not want to make slashers episode five, so we decided to give you guys an extra. I hope it's only fifteen or twenty minutes of content. Oh, I hope. But I apologize. Well, that's it for this week. I'm excited to let you guys know that next Friday we are not doing a series again. Thank God. We're going to do one self-contained episode, 
It's going to be the Evil Dead trilogy. We're going to mention a couple other offshoot things related, but for the most part, we're just going to dig deep into those three movies for 45 minutes to an hour, I hope. From there, we're going to possibly do like a director and then kind of restart the cycle and go genre, franchise, director. Yeah, so so do things like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed the Slasher series. I hope you guys keep coming back and downloading our episodes every Friday morning. Yeah, we're having a great time doing these. Yeah, yeah, we are. If you have any comments, please email us at sbspodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen. Leave reviews if you can. Spread out the word. We would greatly appreciate it. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SYS Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. It'll be easy.